Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Salt Church Podcast. Uh, You might notice that Pastor Robert and Megan are not here today. It's because they had an addition to their family yesterday. Seven pounds, ten ounces, I think I just saw. Levi Albert Corey, I believe is what his name is. Oh, no. Levi Benjamin Corey, after our sound room guy. (laughs) Okay. Levi Benjamin Corey, seven pounds, ten ounces. Praise the Lord. Another addition into the kingdom. So, all right. Are there any other announcements? You guys ready to get into the word? All right, let's, 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 let's till the ground. Stand up. Lord, we're standing before you even now. And we thank you, Father, that we can come into your house to receive instruction from you, directly from you. Lord, keep me out of it. Just let me be a willing vessel, a tongue that you could, you could use. But, Lord, let your words be a resounding heart of love to each and every one of us that we would hear your word for what it is. Truth. You got a crazy world here, Lord. But you desire to use your bride to reconcile the world unto you. Help us, Lord, even now to receive the tools and the training necessary to know how to reconcile people unto you. Have your way first with us, Lord, but let it go beyond that. Let us not hold on to the treasure, to the mystery of the kingdom within ourselves, but let us express it, vocalize it, proclaim it, declare it, yell it, shout it, sing it for the world to receive the love that you have. Because, Lord, it's greater than I can understand or comprehend. But let me be one of many, proclaiming your love to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. Uh, I got a word from the Lord today. Um, <laughs> that kind of like, <laughs> some of you guys are thinking, well, I thought what, what the last week wasn't from the Lord. Uh, actually, I didn't preach last week. That was Pastor Robert. So yeah, definitely was from the Lord. So I, I, there's certain times in my walk with the Lord that there's verses and, that just will not escape my heart. And that's when I know it's a, it's a word for today. And for two to three weeks, um, we've been studying it for two weeks in our Wednesday night Bible study, but Matthew chapter 23, I just can't get it. I can't get beyond it. So we're just going to talk about Matthew 23 today. Praise the Lord. Let it be known. This is of the Lord, not of me. It's Jesus' last sermon. You know, I've always been intrigued by the last statements in the Bible. You know, like, um, you know, Abraham on his deathbed giving instructions to the servant, you know, or David on his deathbed. This is Jesus essentially on his deathbed. He knew he was going to be crucified. Just just, just a few days before the cross. And he knew it. And he, he makes this, like, the sermon to be proclaimed to the people of that day, but actually to be recorded for, so that you and I could actually receive the words of Jesus even now. And if you knew, like, if you knew 
you had one message to preach. It's the last one before you're to go into eternity. What would you say? What would you preach? What would be the message of your sermon? If you were to, if you were to preach to your family, friends, or even in this case to the whole world, what would you preach? Like for, for me, and I think about Jesus, I think he's going to preach on salvation. Like he's got he's to stand up to the world and talk about how you can get into heaven, how you can be saved. It's not what he preached. Okay, if you're not going to preach that, Lord, then you're going to preach on love. Like you are going to express your love to the world. It's not what he preached. You know what he preached? He preached against certain things. He preached against false religious leaders and false religious systems and wrapped it all around with a nice, strong message about being a hypocrite. It's like, wow, bang, Lord. You know, like, mic drop, end of, end of life, going to eternity. And it's such, there's so much, like, truth. I've been meditating on this chapter for two weeks, and I, I honestly got, I got in early this morning, and I'm looking over, I got an outline you know, I like kind of like mapped it out and I'm not one of those guys. I had to, there was so much that Jesus is conveying to the world that I thought, well, I'll just go over the outline with everybody. That would take two, that would take two weeks probably. And then I thought, okay, I'll just briefly go through a couple of things, which I will in a minute. I'm going to briefly go through a few things. But after I got, there was like eight or nine or ten <laughs> nuggets that I kind of wanted to like bomb you guys with this morning. And I came in and prayed, I'm like, okay, Lord, what which one? Which one is the one that needs to be conveyed today? And if I could rank them from one to ten, one being this is the strongest, and ten being the weakest, I thought, oh, he'll give me number one. Uh, if not number one, then maybe number two. Now, he gave me the last one, the 10th one. And it, to me, when I first was like mapping it out and doing the outline, I thought, this, this isn't even really that uh, big. Uh, okay, this morning he proved to me how big it was. And I thought, okay. And it's a word for us for today. How many of you know that we, we flash up on the screen that this is a year of blessing? And it's a year of blessing, not financially necessarily, unless God tells you to do it that way. But it's a, it's a year of blessing that we are to convey to the world his truth, his love, because the world doesn't even know. Doesn't even know it. I mean, in my mind, I, I already have started to think like weird thoughts. Like uh, Mackenzie stood up here and said, we're going to have a ministry for the girls. And in my mind, I'm like, define girl. Because that's where our world is right now. We don't even know what a woman is. Why are y'all looking at me like this? Am I the only one that actually even heard the news like in the last two years? Like, we got congressmen like, like arguing over whether this man could be in a, a woman's swimming event. Or a man can share a locker with the, in the women's locker room. Are you kidding me? And so, you know, there's always that part of me that, like, wants to come up and just share how much God loves everybody. But every once in a while, he just throws out a truth bomb. It's like, deal with it. Because Jesus is full of truth. And even the last sermon that he preaches to the world, I'm like, 
the first time I read it through a couple of weeks, not the first time, but when this journey started a couple of weeks ago and I read through this thing, I got strong conviction on, my, on me. And I'm like, wow. Because you read that and you're like, yeah, get him, Jesus. And you always put it in, other, in somebody else's lap, right? It's like you read something. Okay, let me just read one verse. You're all looking at me with that weird. Uh, look at this one. This is just one of the nuggets. This is just one verse, okay? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you. Ouch! Woo! Thank you, Jesus. I know you love me. Harsh, harsh nuggets of truth. Because one of the things, one, there's one thing he wants us to know. There are wolves out there. There are wolves that desire to get us off kilter, get us off track, get us to believe in something that we shouldn't believe, trying to fool us, deceive us, and get us not on the right path to heaven. And there are religious systems that are full of hypocrisy. And Jesus, I used to hate it when people would um, talk about Christians and say that we're a bunch of hypocrites. You ever hear that? You're a bunch of hypocrites. It used to drive me nuts. You know why? Because when I got saved at 18, I tried. I tried. And I failed often. And I might do 9, 10, 15, 99 good deeds maybe throughout the, the day. And then I'd screw up, mess up, do something that I shouldn't do. And that's the one that people would call me on the carpet for and say, I thought you were a Christian. Been there? It used to drive me nuts. I used to tell people, stop looking at me. Start looking at Jesus. I'm not. I'm a Christian, but I'm not Christ. Follow the pattern after Christ, not after me. And I used to get so frustrated, and then I read this, and all that came flooding back into my mind when Jesus starts talking about, you brood of vipers, you whitewashed snakes, you hypocrites. I'm like, ooh. Because the church... What he can't stand is for his bride to be fake. What he can't stand is for us to look one way on the outside, but look something differently on the inside. If, you're, if there's something on the outside that's not right, at least be honest and real. Because we're not faking Jesus out ever. We can't go around trying to be holy. He didn't say, try to be holy because I'm He said, be holy. He doesn't play games. So in other words, I'm not preaching against being like against uh, doing good deeds or against like being righteous. I'm preaching against being fake. Be righteous and screw up. That's okay. But don't act like you don't ever screw up. Don't act holy. Don't act righteous. Be holy. Be righteous. For he knew him who knew no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness, what? In him. The righteousness in Jesus. So we can't try to be righteous. Look at me, Lord. I'm trying to do this thing. No, we have to connect with him and the righteousness will just kind of flow out of us because we're holding hands with the one that, you know, we're yoked with Jesus. We're yoked with him and he will cause us 
to do righteous things, not because we're supposed to try to do something, but because he makes us righteous on the inside, and that's just a natural outflow of who we are on the inside. You know, Jesus never really concerned himself too much with performance. He always concerned himself with the, the heart, the inside. Did you ever, could you imagine going to a doctor with like a bullet hole, a, like you got shot, in the stomach or something, and he's like, you know what? I see a little blood. He just wipes it off, puts a Band-Aid on it. There you go. You're all good. No, you take the bullet out. Jesus is What Jesus is oftentimes doing to us is taking the bullet out. He's, he's not saying, listen, you, not, you need to stop sinning. He says, no, let me fix your heart so you don't even have a desire to sin. See, we, there's so many times the church is like, try not to do this. Try not to do that. Try to be like this and try to be like, no, just Touch Jesus and let the outflow come. It'll happen. Okay, that's my introduction, and we didn't even read one verse. So, I'm going to have to skip the first 12 verses. Maybe next week, I don't know. But we go into eight woes. Let me tell you this. If... You're connecting with the Lord, and the first thing he says to you is, whoa, that's not a good thing, <laughs> you know. It's not the same as what I would say when my wife comes down the steps and she's all dolled up and has got a dress on and be like, whoa, that's not the same whoa. He's like, whoa. And there's eight of them. I, I, you probably don't aren't aware of this. I was not aware of this. But those eight woes, actually correlate directly with the eight blessings of Matthew 5. I just think that's awesome that the Lord would just kind of do that. You don't even recognize that. Like Matthew 5, the first blessing is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I love that. But I never understood that either until not too long ago we were studying it. We're studying Matthew, by the way, on our Wednesday night Bible study and and uh, when I am following this commentator and when, I'm when I read what he has to say about it, it's like it's as if I've never read it before. Have you ever been there? And he talks about uh, the book of Matthew is Jesus is like Matthew is explaining to the world the kingdom of God. He's explaining the kingdom. And he starts out with the lineage of Jesus because uh, the king has to qualify. In a Jewish culture, you can't just be elected president. You actually have to be born in the right lineage to become king. Jesus was, it's proven in Matthew that he was in the right lineage through Joseph and through Mary to be the king. And that's where he starts out. He proves that Jesus is the king based on DNA. And then when you get to uh, the Beatitudes and the blessings in Matthew 5, it's, it's not just awesome verses it's Jesus' constitution for the way the world works. It's the constitution of the kingdom. And the first one is, blessed is, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What that means is, blessed are those who recognize their own poverty in spirit. Blessed are those who know that they're not spiritually capable. Blessed are those that have an awareness that they can't do this thing without God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
that correlates with the first woe in uh, verse 13. It says, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves nor do you allow those who are entering in to go in. Hello. And then all the other seven, are, I'm just going to skip to the last one because I just want to make sure I make the point that Jesus was trying to make with me this morning. It's one at first glance that you think, ah, is that really that important? You guys ready for it? I'm just debating in my mind. I was going to go through one to one, each one because some of them are a little bit tricky. I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit do that with you guys on your own. There's eight blessings. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so I was like, thank you. Move it on. But <laughs> I know he didn't mean it that way. Whew, praise the Lord. We just cut out a half of his sermon. Um, I want to get to the last one because I think it's, it's just key for us, for the life of Salt Church even now, for the life of the Bride of Christ even now. And like I said, at first glance, you might think, I'm not even sure that even is applicable for today. But when the Lord was uh, speaking to me this morning, that's the one that was highlighted. So I'm going to go to the last woe, the last blessing, and the last woe. So you guys just got skipped out. You're out. Look at verse 29. Actually, I want to read 29 through 36. I know it's a big chunk, but it's um, it goes it correlates with the last or the eighth blessing from Matthew chapter five. Let me read that first. It says, "Blessed." are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God, is the kingdom of heaven. And that's not even, when I read that, that's not, it's, it's going to correlate about being persecuted, but that's not even the main thing that the Lord was highlighting to me. Starting in verse 29, let me read, just read it, 29 through 36. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Don't you just love that Jesus never minces words? This is like, bang. Because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Jesus is making a point of saying that, woe to you who think that you're innocent. Woe to you that think that because you didn't live in those days. See, God would send prophet after prophet after prophet, and they would persecute and torture and kill the prophets, the messengers, the, the spokespersons that the Lord would send. And they, were, they, were, they would say things like, well, we, that wasn't us. We didn't live in those days. If we, these Pharisees would say, if we lived in those days, we wouldn't have killed the prophets. Little do they know they're about ready to kill the prophet. And Jesus is making a point of that. It says, verse 30, 31, Therefore you are witnesses against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. Serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, 
son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. Jesus said from, the, from Abel to Zechariah, from A to Z, from Genesis to Second Chronicles. In the Hebrew Bible, Second Chronicles is the last book. From the beginning to the end, your guilt is, is ever present. Whether you were actually there or not, you're the son of the forefathers. In Isaiah chapter 53, it's talking about Jesus coming, prophesies that Jesus is coming. And it says in uh, verse 8, it says, You were taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. Prophetically, what Isaiah was saying is, you are going to take Jesus and you're going to crucify him. You will do this. And the next thing that he says is something that really kind of hit me. It's kind of, it's, it's what started this whole spiritual walk in my mind this morning was that Isaiah knew that they were going to crucify Jesus and he knew that Jesus was innocent. And he knew that Jesus is God. He knew all of that. And it says, um, he was taken from prison and from judgment. He was cut off from the land of the living. But right between those two sentences, it says, and who will declare to his generation? That's the part that really kind of messed me up because I'm thinking, if I'm thinking about God, innocent God being crucified on the cross, I would start proclaiming about how dare you do this thing. And I would talk about his innocence. And I would talk about his, his perfection. And I would talk about him being God. But the first thing he says, he was taken from prison and from uh, judgment. And who will declare to his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he is stricken. It's, he's basically saying, because you're removing Jesus from the earth, Who's going to declare him to this generation? Who's going to declare the freedom? Who's, to, who's to going to declare the real church, the real liberty, the real righteousness, the real holiness? Who's, to, who's going to declare Jesus to the world? And that's the part that hit me the hardest. Because right now, you have been born not by accident. You have been born on purpose to declare his righteousness to this generation. We are here to declare God now. You are here in this generation on purpose to declare the righteousness, holiness, and perfection of Christ Jesus. This is why you're here and if we don't do our job, the same verse could be declared over this generation. And who is going to declare to his generation? For my people will be cut off. And we must step up. We must stand up. We must do this thing that God has called us to do. We can't take a set. We can't take a back seat to this thing. I was listening to um, the testimony of Chris Vallotton this week. Chris Valentin sometimes has a bad reputation on the internet. I don't know if you know this. It's totally uncalled for. He's a minister in California at Reading. 
at Bethel Church, senior pastor Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson also gets criticized, by the way. I've heard both of them speak a couple of different times in person. I've heard them speak lots, lots of times on the Internet. And I honestly don't know what people are sometimes get riled up about. Because they preach the word. And if they have a revelation that's deeper than the revelation that you currently have, then be careful to condemn the, the righteous that God has called into the service. Because good, righteous men of, and women of God might say something that you don't agree with. They might even say something that's wrong because they're human. But that doesn't give us the right to condemn I was listening to his testimony. It was super awesome because he said that he was taking a he was taking a bath. I don't know if you've heard this. He was taking a bath and he had his first his first vision. Maybe only vision, I don't even know, but Jesus come walking into the bathroom. And he said it was it was not like I think I'm sitting no, he knew. He knew. And Jesus said, I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. Now, we can look back in history. I've called you to prophesy over kings and presidents, leaders and congressmen. And nations will be changed because of the prophecies that you will speak. He heard this from Jesus himself. Now, he actually has prophesied over kings and presidents. He has done this now. So we can look at it now and say, yep, that was, that was of the Lord. But at the time, when he was hearing this, he was just kind of taken in. And I didn't realize this, but he didn't tell anybody of this vision, including his wife, for over a year. And the interviewer said, why didn't you share it with even your wife? And he said, because I thought that they would think that I was crazy. And the interviewer asked him and said, did you think that maybe you were crazy? Because I don't know if you're aware of this, but he had a mental breakdown for three years. The three years prior to this vision, he was mentally, he had a mental breakdown. How many of you know that when you have a mental breakdown, that that does, that does not disqualify you from working for the kingdom? How many of you know that when your past sins and your errors and your shortcomings become public, that actually gives great fodder for God to use you in the midst of the world? That you will know all of a sudden that it's not you that's doing anything, but you have to lean on him to do the things that he's called you to do in this world. That you all of a sudden don't rely on your own abilities and your own talents and your own strength, but you know that you know that you know that the things that God has called you to do, you have to lean on him to do the things that he has called you to do. That you can't do it in your own strength and your own abilities and your own talent. Because if you do it on your own, then that actually means that you will get the glory that was meant to go to him. And Jesus started walking out of the bathroom after declaring the prophecy to this future prophet of the nations. And he stopped and turned around and walked back in. And he said something to Chris Valentin, and I, I want to declare to you. He said, history will determine whether you believe me or not. That's what he said. I have been up here. I don't know how many years now. 
15 or 16 years declaring the word of the Lord. But there's something that's happened recently. I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. But he's called us to something. He's called you to something. You are de- to declare to this generation. You are. We are going to see signs and wonders if we believe. History will tell us if you believe. Chris Valentin believed, and now it's actually come true. He actually has prophesied over kings and other nations. He actually has been called by kings to come and prophesy in the inner sanctums of the Congress of other nations. Some of the testimonies are, are just crazy awesome. He's gone to kings and told them about close right-hand men that are actually being deceptive and actually working behind the scenes to bring them down. He's had a king not believe them and call them up several months later and said, you're right. There was a, there was a, a coup, and I didn't even know it. But you saw it because God told you. God is that good. God is that wise. God sees the end from the beginning. And I'm here to declare to you, history will tell us if we believe. I watched that movie last week, Sound of Freedom. Christian movie. Hollywood wouldn't receive it. So the um, makers of this movie had to go outside of Hollywood to present it to the world. And uh, I think it was done five years ago, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. But it took that long to get to the, to the big screen. It's about sex trafficking of little children. And I'm watching this movie in Louisiana. Thanks to Grace. My grace makes me go to Louisiana with her. We had an awesome time. Went to church with Nate and Tally last week in, in Louisiana. I don't let my people go to other churches without me being there to kind of supervise what's happening. <laughs> I wish I would have known in advance which church they were going to go to, and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have given them the heads. I would have just walked in. What are you doing here? I think I was there for protection. It's like, you know, Nate used his face to chip Tally's tooth. I don't know. Anyway, I'm sit- so, I'm, you know, I drop Gracie's there to, to go to a wedding. I drop her off, and we're about an hour away from the city, and I don't know what to do, so I decided to go to this movie, and I, we're an hour away from the city. I go to pay for my ticket, and they're like, are you by yourself? I'm like, you going to mug me? <laughs> No, I, I'm like, yeah, I'm by myself. She goes, good. We got one of three seats that you could choose from. It was packed out. So I get the very back seat in this theater, and I'm watching this movie. And I got this overwhelming feeling, uh, sensation come over me from the Lord saying, see these people? They're mine. There's a lot of good people in this world. You know, we get, we get, um, we always get to hear the bad. We always get to see the depravity of the world. The worst of the worst is always flashed on the news every night. Everything that's bad happens. But but God is good, and he created this world, and he desires for his people 
to reap the benefits of this world. And I'm sitting there in this and, and I, Gracie and I had a little disagreement with, with the outcome of this movie. I wanted to find these human traffickers and punch them in the mouth. She wanted to find the human traffickers and witness Jesus to them. I was like, can I punch him first, then witness? We could both win on this thing. I guess I say all that to say, see, what hit me wasn't the persecution, which is what Jesus was talking about. What hit me was, who's going to declare to this generation? Verse 36 Verse 36 says, Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. Then he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets. Anytime Jesus repeats a proper name twice, it's a conveyance of his heart, his deep love. Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem. Oh, Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to take you but and to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed. Oh, Martha, Martha. Mary has chosen the better way. Don't allow yourself to be busy with the things of this world, but just be with me. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem. Insert your name. Because he has a heart for you. A deep, deep, deep heart for you. And he would say, I do have a plan for you. Now, we can quote that Jeremiah, but I'll just say it in my own words. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for you. It's marked. It's established. It's declared. He desires for you to believe. He desires for voice boxes to proclaim. He desires for hands to to touch and feet to walk. He desires for the world to know who he is. The year of blessing is what the Lord gave me so that we could prepare ourselves and plant the seeds to get ready for the harvest. And I'll be honest with you, when I read through this whole chapter, the conviction that I felt He kind of gave me a picture. He, he said to me, he said, Al, my favorite. Uh, that's how he refers to me. <laughs> how would you feel if a thousand people got saved in this church? And I was like, oh my gosh, Lord. That's good. That's, that'd be awesome. That'd be great. That'd be, oh, that's incredible. He said, There's been lots of times when I've saved a thousand people all at one time. 
Acts chapter 2, 2,000 people got saved one day, one sermon. How come you weren't so excited for the other times? Why are you just excited if it happens at Salt Church? Well, I wasn't really that excited, Lord. I was just... <laughs> It was his reminder to me that you have to be kingdom-minded. We should be jumping and cheering and so full of joy when a thousand people get saved at another, at another service somewhere else. Because it's for the kingdom. It's not, it's not for us. We, we've got to, and I say that to me because he actually convicted it to me, and I'm just kind of trying to share it because misery loves company. But it's kind of like, listen, get it in your heart, your soul, your mind, that it's my kingdom that I desire to promote. My kingdom. Now, I'm getting tired. I, I feel like I preached the, the end of this thing, even though I skipped half of it. But I want to make sure that it's applicable um, for you individually. So if we could all just stand up together. If you love me, I forgot to finish that sentence. Okay. Oh, wow. Lord God, help us to believe. Help us to receive your message to us. Even your people that have been called from the womb who don't know you yet, need to know you. Need to know your blessings, love, your heart. And for some reason, you chose your church to be the ones to host your presence and to host the party that you desire to, to have. You allowed yourself to be stricken to qualify us to be blessed. You allowed yourself to be oppressed and afflicted that we might be free. And the anointing that you have given for this particular generation, Lord, is to declare your truth in love, to declare the righteousness in you, to be holy, 
as we touch you and allow you to touch us. You ended your sermon, Lord, with blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You're coming again. It's what they shouted when you entered the city. And it's what we'll shout when you enter the world. Blessed are you, Lord. Blessed is Jesus. King of kings. Lord of lords. Help us to believe. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on this week's episode of the Salt Church Podcast. We're grateful you spent this time with us, and we hope the message today has moved you. Please be sure to join us again next week for another episode of the Salt Church Podcast. God bless, and we'll see you next time.